0: Welcome to
1: the Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas
0: Theological Seminary.
2: Now we're we're kind of working through a storyline here. The, The next move is if this is serious enough to kind of create a need for for distance, I don't know how else to say it, for space, Mm -hmm. Um, something that sometimes churches are very, very hesitant to Mm -hmm. engage in. The illustration Mm -hmm. we just Mm -hmm. looked at is uh, this woman's going to the church, she's looking for help, they're not at all interested in giving her that space Mm -hmm. because they think the commitment to reconciliation requires that she remain apparently in the home. and yet, that can be a very, very dangerous place yes. to be, and it doesn't create the the space necessary that even if you're going to work in a re, in a reconciliation direction, allow that to take place. So let's talk about the need for space first, mm-hmm. uh, and then talk about okay, if you need space, where might you go? Mm-hmm. So, what about the need for space? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we would always
3: want to let people know that the calling for marriage does not mean to put yourself in harm's way mm-hmm. in marriage. So yes, God hates divorce, but he also hates violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hates abuse. Um, he hates control mm-hmm. for self-serving purposes. see And so if if a person uh, is ever, at risk in their sense of safety in their own home, then they need to have an option from mm-hmm. that. Like, uh, you know, like we said, it, it could be a friend, it could be a local shelter. See, um, there's also a hotline if you're if you're just feeling like it's not safe to talk to anybody, uh, but you could call an 799 SAFE. Hmm. That's a national hotline mm-hmm. that that will help. Uh, a person who's wondering sort through what's safe and what's not safe, or what their immediate response might need to be in that moment. So I, I think that's a really uh, good thing for mm-hmm. people to have that 800 number available.
2: Now some people would think, well, I don't have a friend I can go to who I could ask to do mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. but that doesn't preclude the possibility of finding help. You've mentioned shelters uh, yeah. a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the role that shelters play. What mm-hmm. what for someone who doesn't even know what a what a shelter is, mm-hmm. what 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 would that what would that provide? Mm-hmm.
1: We know the Union Gospel Mission. There's the shelter here in Dallas, and mm-hmm. and one in Fort Worth in this area, and you know it provides a shelter for uh, women and children. Um, they also have one for singles as well as those for families. Uh, they provide them a place to be during the day and at night, and feed them meals. They provide um, care for the kids. Um, And then I know that there are also shelters that are for those specifically coming out of domestic violence, Uh, not just some are homeless shelters and domestic violence shelters, and Mm -hmm. then there's those that are are just for the domestic violence. Also, know there is a project going on right now uh, for um, several. Apartments and all being built in Grapevine, it's going to be called the Gatehouse. Mm. And it is for abused women and their children, and they're going to have a training program and mm. everything for up to two and a half years mm. that will help them uh, to restabilize and get ba- uh, balance back in life and equipped uh, to go to work if they need to. So I, I know that there, just in this area there are several places mm. that are, are working together to provide. Uh, for those in need.
3: What? I might, I might what? add also, Daryl, for our listeners who are in the Dallas area, uh, we have several of our counseling students who have interned and even gone on to work uh, full time at the Genesis House mm-hmm. in Dallas. And, mm-hmm. and I've done work with them as well. And, and so they are a, a great local resource. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, what's an indicator that that space may be necessary? Is it the sense of not being safe in the home? Is it the the the, the level, the threat level, becoming high enough that uh, uh, that really really is an indication that there just needs to be a cooling off? Right. Well,
3: obviously, any any physical harm mm-hmm. is, is okay. This is not safe. This mm-hmm. is not appropriate. Just like the mm-hmm. woman on the interview spoke of. If you could think of if anybody else in my life was doing to me mm-hmm. what my spouse is doing to me, would I allow that? Mm-hmm. Would that be okay? Mm-hmm. Would that is there something wrong with that? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and and so I think that's a good guideline to to ask yourself. But don't just limit it to the physical. Thinking. Mm-hmm. Terms of being controlled, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether it's with the use of words, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's uh, character assassinations, or even the look. You mm-hmm. know, so there's a there's a look that we all ha- have that we give to someone mm-hmm. when we are maybe angry or upset or frustrated with mm-hmm. somebody, but that's a, not the same as a look of. I'm going to control you, and if you don't do what I'm expecting you to do, things are going to get. There's bad a for you. payback
1: There's on that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's a threat in it.
2: Okay. Um, all right. Well, let's listen to the next piece. I think it's short uh, on the on what's called the battle.
4: We minimize by literally just not hearing what people say. I mean, you know, we can totally shut it out and not acknowledge what we're hearing from the other person or we can try to explain it away. Well, it wasn't that bad. Uh, He only shoved
5: you. He didn't mean to, I'm sure. I just couldn't understand how these men could send me and a small child back into a home with someone who became just violently uh, enraged, and especially now that I had provoked his anger and let the secret out.
2: Okay, now that Mm. pretty. Poignantly poses the dilemma. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go and share with someone in the hopes of of getting help, mm-hmm. and instead, what I get is resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess the natural question is, what do you do then? You've made you've made your effort to mm-hmm. release the secret, right. And and it has flopped. Um, now what do you do? You go up the chain. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You hit a bad spot on the chain. Don't give up. Don't yeah. quit. Right. Yeah. So, so that means, and, and and this is where moving outside your circle sometimes may become necessary because some mm-hmm. people live in a circle right. that's so tight right. that there literally is there may be one place to go, but that may be it. You may only have right. one pitch. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so then being this is where the support groups that do exist that exist to pick up someone who doesn't have support. Uh, mm-hmm. Needs to be pursued. Is that right. is that fair?
1: Very much like this woman that, mm-hmm. that I was just sharing. That when she realized she was not getting the support that she needed from the staff at the church where she had been a member for years, uh, she had to set outside of that and really got a safe place to go from a good friend, and then sought out other counsel from others on what can I do to make sure that I'm safe and my girls are safe. And um, so I think certainly if if you're not being heard be willing to find someone that will hear you. And and I know that's so easy for us to say that this is what they need to do when mm-hmm. they're, they've been so squelched and so broken mm-hmm. that they feel like if, if somebody doesn't hear me, that these people that I think that I can trust don't hear me, their fear is that nobody we're yeah. Hearing. In so fact, I would give that encouragement. In
2: fact, sometimes isn't it true that what happens to a victim is is that they tend to blame themselves for the situation that they're <laughs> in, and so all that does mm-hmm. is reinforce mm-hmm. the attitude that they have of well, maybe this really is. I mean, this is bad, but the, maybe the I am really a cause. Right. So, right. S- all s- the more reason to get a reality check from someone outside that mm-hmm. can help you mm-hmm. with mm-hmm.
3: that way of thinking.
2: <laughs> now, now let's talk about. I want to talk a little bit about churches that are put in this situation, particularly churches that might. Have Have a very um, strong stand on divorce. This is a Mm -hmm. hard move for churches Mm -hmm. to make. Right. Because the reality is if you do uh, advise a separation, that oftentimes that is the first step towards a divorce. I think the statistics mm-hmm. are there to say mm-hmm. that that's often what does happen and that oftentimes you don't mm-hmm. – you aren't able to pull it back together. So you've got that risk. Uh, and and I think the example I like to use that I think I'll get you to comment on is is that sometimes you're faced with, with two bad choices mm-hmm. and the judgment right. to make is which choice is The greater good, the greater good, or the Mm -hmm. or which choice by by opting not to act, it leads you in the worst situation. Mm -hmm. Is 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 that a way to think about this? How how should staffs think about this when this comes up? Mm -hmm. You know,
3: I I I think of two things in response to that. Uh, Number one is we we have to change our thinking about how God thinks Mm -hmm. about things Mm -hmm. because. Uh, We are just thinking about the way we think instead of the way God thinks. Mm -hmm. And and so if I'm thinking, the ultimate thing here is divorce. Mm -hmm. That's not how God's thinking. Mm -hmm. See, yes, God hates divorce. That's not his first choice. Uh, God's made allowances for it out Mm -hmm. of the hardness of hearts. Mm -hmm. Uh, One person can't do the work for two people to make a marriage work. Mm -hmm. And if if safety – and sanctity of life is at risk, um, That that's a greater concern mm-hmm. than divorce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I think we have to kind of say, yes, we are, we're, we're first and foremost for the marriage, but uh, we're first and foremost for things that are even greater to the heart of God mm-hmm. than that. Uh the, the other thing that I think the church could really do well on is to think in terms of um, the, the long-term. Uh, this is a long-term need. Mm-hmm. And if we can just make space, see, for this to be addressed adequately, uh, le- let's not just say either you go back into the home and just put up with it or else you get divorced, mm-hmm. well, you could have a long-term structured separation. Mm-hmm. See? Uh, when you look at the statistics on separations that lead to divorce, those are unstructured separations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with, with the right kind of supports around, uh, and f- each person – and sometimes that separation might need to be even where uh, it's unknown where the victim is. Mm-hmm. Just for their protection, mm-hmm. so they aren't chased down. That's and right. Control. That's right. Kicks in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I worked with one couple where that structured separation occurred over a two-year time period, mm-hmm. uh, and they actually were reconciled. Mm-hmm. But it, it took that much time with each of them going through separate individual steps and stages mm-hmm. before they could begin to have even structured contact while they were still separated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, so that's uh, we don't have to just think of those two options of oh, well you either have to go back in the house so go back in or divorce and we don't want you to divorce so just stick in the house and stick it out.
2: And this is another place where where if you're talking about structured separation where the support of the church and the community at large mm-hmm. is important if it exists because they can help uh, really working with both partners in one right. way or another. Um, to try and and take the time that's necessary to let things settle down and also get a handle on what's going on, and then begin the process of trying to rebuild what's been what's been damaged. Right. Is that right?
1: And, and I think certainly for the men, for churches, for the men to come around and support the the abuser in a, in a way of making sure that he is going to be on a redemptive path and mm-hmm. that he is going to be willing to seek out healing and to look at uh, the internal issues. You know, where's the anger? Where's the fear? What's the need? Of control about, and that you know, believers come alongside him and walk with him and be willing to confront what is not okay behavior, what's not appropriate mm-hmm. behavior uh, for a spouse, so that the reconciliation plan mm-hmm. uh, is one for both of them, uh, and that healing would have to take place right. for both of them. Uh, and then you know, certainly we always hear what hurting people hurt people. So mm-hmm. uh, part of it, I would think, would also be in willing uh, for uh, for the. Abuser to be willing to look at what is the trauma or the pain in, in the past mm-hmm. uh, that uh, he may be living in, still living with, that causes him uh, to need that kind of control and, and be abusive.
2: Now, here comes a strange question. And I'll acknowledge it's strange before I start. Should the spouses seek the same counselor or different counselors, or does it depend? I mean, I, it seems to me that the choice of, mm-hmm. of support here is also important in how it works because sometimes I think of. You get two different counselors. Sometimes you get in a situation where it's like the two lawyers in a legal case, Mm -hmm. where you got the counselor supporting one person, the person, and the other counselor advocating for another. And I'm not sure that's the healthiest Mm -hmm. situation. So how do you sort out who the best way to pursue the counseling? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I would recommend two different counselors and a a consent of release being signed by both parties for both counselors so that the communication can be between the counselors on staying on the same page, being able to validate what change has taken place. And then um, what I've done in cases like this periodically, then the two counselors and the two parties, we all meet together. Hmm. And so that we're working when we're dealing with individual issues, we're dealing with their healing individually, and then we come together, the four of us come together to work on the the marital issues and what really has to be changed. Then both parties feel they have an advocate in the room, and they have someone who is there uh, for them personally, but believe that both are for reconciliation. And whether that reconciliation means full restoration of the marriage, Mm -hmm. or whether it means that they're reconciled, that if it ends up in divorce, it's without bitterness and pursue – continue abuse. So, yeah, mm.
2: I, it seems to me that's an interesting situation because I can see where initially you might go to one counselor because that's the person you know, but then it, it, I, the responsibility of the counselor, I take it, in that situation is to recommend. You know, this is really better if mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. each of you has your own person mm-hmm. that you're seeing. Is that often what happens? You know, and it
3: depends on where the problem is on the continuum, right? right. See? right.
2: And there's some cases
3: where. Um, uh, like what you were just describing, uh, there's so much that would have to happen before that could ever happen, right. where mm-hmm. people are coming together, maybe a year's worth of right. work even. Mm-hmm. See, so. Um, mm-hmm. But the collaborative, structured model mm-hmm. would be the ideal thing, and it, it may be the case that a lot of individual work would have to happen first mm-hmm. before that joint work could happen.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough Podcast. Listen to these conversations and more by searching Grace Enough Podcast on your favorite listening app or by visiting graceenoughpodcast.com.
2: Okay, well, we're now to the last section of the video, and so now we're going to turn our attention to watching and see how this wraps up
4: that they not only have to fight the abuser in order to keep their sanity and to keep physically safe and to keep the sanity and safety of their children, but they also fight the community who wants to blame them and put them down.
5: They also said in the same letter That women should try to reconcile with their husbands, and especially that women that no believer should go to court against another believer. That bothered them a great deal. That there was uh, the possibility of a divorce.
2: Wow. Um, Okay. Well, that obviously puts another issue on the table, and that is uh, not only do we have a problem with divorce, but now we got a problem. We got to go to court to get a Mm -hmm. divorce. So that that I mean, that's two strikes against the person pursuing. Mm Pursuing uh, potentially a breakup of the mm-hmm. marriage. What? What? Again, I think we've probably already answered this mm-hmm. to a certain degree, but it's probably worth uh, reaffirming here. Uh, what process do you go through when you're when you've tried everything? You're at the end. Um, the vow has been broken. It's clear if the person goes back into the house, there's th- mm-hmm. they're going to be at risk. Uh, there is there is no uh, good. Uh, uh, conciliatory path to take. That's right. um, what go, mm-hmm. what happens? Yeah. then? and how should communities mm-hmm. do well, that?
3: You know, I think biblically, you just have to uh, accept the truth that in this broken world with broken people, one person can't do the work for two people to have reconciliation occur. Mm-hmm. That's a biblical concept. Mm-hmm. It, it requires two people. Mm-hmm. See. And so, even though that would be very regrettable that it's not able to happen, it's still the next greater good. See that um, you would be able to live a life of safety mm-hmm. and dignity, mm-hmm. where uh, you're not a living under control of another individual.
2: Mm-hmm. So, and then, and then the only way we have to do this is to go to court and get yeah. the divorce. I mean, it, it, so I because mean, you don't have two participating parties. Though, that's right. So that's the only recourse. Yeah, I mean, there, 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 there is. I mean, if the person wants to disentangle themselves, uh, not just socially but legally, then that mm-hmm. that really is the only option. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's not the best option, but it's a uh, uh, it's. But it sometimes is what we face and mm-hmm. we have to sometimes face up to it and say this can't be put back together. Mm-hmm. It's regrettable right. but it's uh, it's the case.
1: Yeah. And and I, oh I was just go gonna ahead. say I think that's where we have to accept that I mean just some of life is so complicated. Mm -hmm. There's not just this one answer that's going to work for for everybody Mm -hmm. or this one solution that is going to be the easiest solution. And where none of these solutions would be easy and there's going to be a complexity that makes I think even uh, us as believers have to step outside of, of our comfort zone in walking alongside people mm-hmm. who are hurting in this way. But I think when it comes to we would never support someone going back into a situation where they are going to be harmed. Mm-hmm. And if there's evidence such that change has not taken place, we, we can't support them in mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. And so supporting them to make the wisest decision going forward for themselves on what they know. They need to do for themselves that will be the healthiest decision that they can do.
2: Gary, okay, you're going to yeah. add
3: something. And and um, again, we don't want to just jump to that as mm-hmm. the al- immediate alternative. Right. See, if we can allow space and time for the possibility mm-hmm. of people to change over time, right, mm-hmm. that would be the the better approach. Uh, but even if there's not that change over time uh, for the person. Who is the victim and is following through with the divorce? Mm -hmm. That's also something that is not outside of God's redeeming work in Mm -hmm. that individual's life, Mm -hmm. and so we want we want that person to be very much uh, embraced by God's redeeming
2: work, even following that bad situation. Okay. Well, I think we're down now to the last segment. Uh, Let's let's hear the rest of the uh, of the video.
4: A covenant relationship like marriage presupposes, I believe, mutuality, uh, trust, respect. It should be a place where persons feel safe uh, and supported. And when one partner brings violence to that relationship, it destroys the trust. If you can't trust your partner not to hit you, it's very hard to trust much of anything.
5: All my years. As a Christian, I'd been an evangelical, Bible believing Christian, and I had deeply believed and taught my students. I was a college professor, I would teach literature, I would teach about God's grace, how He loves us regardless. But that was, I guess I didn't believe it because I was totally surprised to find that God was with me, even though I was leaving my husband and the church was telling me I was wrong but when two people are covenanted together and that
4: violence then is brought to the relationship, it breaks the covenant. Sometimes it's possible to restore that covenant but it requires a lot of work, particularly on the part of the person who broke the covenant. But very often it's not possible to restore it, in which case I think the religious community's responsibility is to acknowledge that and to help uh, the persons involved to really mourn the loss of that relationship.
5: It was like now I was honest. Now my spirituality could be based on what I really felt and who I really was. And I could really trust and believe in God and I could tell other Christian women that God cares about us as human beings. We have basic human rights. We have basic human dignity. And it's wrong when anyone takes that away from us.
2: Well, that's pretty powerful. Mm. Um, it, it, to to reflect on and think through, you know, I, I personally find this particular topic the uh, the most difficult in terms of dealing with the exception passage and divorce. You know, the mm-hmm. the two. Uh, the two scenarios that the Bible mentions explicitly are sexual immorality, a term, the Greek term is porneia, and the other is what's called unbeliever desertion. It's called the Pauline exception, 1 Corinthians 7. Mm-hmm. And uh, I often find myself wondering, uh, in all honesty, whether uh, a physical abuse doesn't come under uh, a type of sexual immorality because of the because of the abuse of the person that it represents. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm I'm curious mm-hmm. uh, as a counselors what you what you think of that. Um, yeah. um, that uh, that this, as you were saying earlier, this is such a fundamental violation of the person, and of course that's part of what the sexual immorality also is driving at. It's a violation of the vow mm-hmm. in, a, in a profound kind of way. Um, if this isn't isn't encompassed in the in those yeah. exceptions,
3: mm-hmm. um, you know, Daryl, what I would uh, think biblically on that is when you mention those two grounds for divorce. Mm-hmm. I don't really take from Scripture anywhere where it says, and these are the only two grounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I would say, uh, yes, those two would be a factor, and I don't really even have to think about how other factors might have to fit under one of those two categories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I I think just out of the basic sanctity of life and the heart of God Mm -hmm. against uh, violence and um, I, I would say, and as as she was saying on the videotape, of, and of course, of all places within a covenant relationship, mm-hmm. that that sh- one person should not be trapped into a situation like that. Mm-hmm. To me? feel
1: that they have no uh, human rights mm-hmm. in their own marriage, you know. Uh, I certainly believe that if there's psychological abuse and physical abuse, that typically what follows with that is also sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't think at all that we could encourage somebody to stay in that or prevent them to get help by saying, I'm sorry, neither one of your categories uh, fall under what's permitted Works. in the Bible, so you have to stay. And I, I think that's being able to understand interpret th- these things in scripture but also understanding the heart of God.
2: You know, one of the things that strikes me about this discussion so talking about the nature and grounds of divorce is is if you look at 1 Corinthians 7, Paul teaches with an awareness of what it is that Jesus taught. You know, he even refers Mm -hmm. to this is my word, this is not Mm -hmm. the word of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that he knew that Jesus said gave him the comfort zone, if I can say it that Mm -hmm. way, to talk about unbeliever desertion as a category. Even though it wasn't explicitly mentioned by Jesus in what He taught, mm-hmm. so uh, this is this is right. going in the direction right. that you're, right. that you're right. suggesting that okay. there's something fundamental about what marriage is and what the partners are to bring to marriage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that suggests that that uh, that when we think about the the fundamental. Abuse, not just spousal abuse, but the abuse of the marriage that mm-hmm. that represents, that that it does represent in some senses a broken vow, and that mm-hmm. uh, uh, and that and that God's heart in that situation wouldn't be for the person to remain in a situation in which they are personally at risk. Yeah, right. So, well, this has been a difficult mm-hmm. uh, topic to cover, yes. and and uh, it's an important topic. Uh, I I want to give you all each a chance to say kind of a final word. Okay. Uh, so um, so Gary how would yeah you, you know uh, I, I would say
3: a, cu- a couple of things this is uh, this is a thing that grows with secrecy and so it's a problem that we're prone to not be aware of or to think about and so uh, I I would say this is really worthy of, of the church's attention yes uh, the other thing that I would really want to say is that um, this is not limited to a certain category of people. This is across all categories, uh, rich, poor, you know, what, whatever your background is. Uh, this, this is across all categories. Uh, and, and so the, uh, the third thing that I would want to say for the church is that this is also within the redemptive work of God. That change can happen, um, and and it's a it's a very marvelous, wonderful thing to see the power of God's grace actually changing this kind mm-hmm. of a problem. This is not just like a willpower right. behavior management plan. Right. This is like a total transformation plan, and and that's what God does in our lives. And so um, we need to always. You know, move with that kind of
2: hope, and it will be an intensive exercise. Yes. In many mm-hmm. cases, it will involve a lot of investment and a lot of people uh, to to encourage and to support in such a way uh, that uh, that uh, opens the door for mm-hmm. God to work and change people. Mm-hmm. Debbie, yeah.
1: well, certainly, I would say to the church, let's make this a topic that we bring to the table, and we're willing to talk about. And then to those who are listening that may question are they in an abusive situation, they may be saying, well, I've never been hit so I don't know if I could uh, call it physical abuse, but yet they have many things in their home that are damaged or pets that are hurt. Um, So, property and and pet abuse is also considered part of domestic abuse. Uh, Then certainly there can be the sexual abuse, the physical and or the emotional. But if if one feels that they are in a controlling and abusive situation to reach out uh, to someone, uh, to start with first a good friend or uh, a person on staff uh, on a church that they trust or calling out to a counselor or a crisis line, just start somewhere to see where they can get some help. And then, you know, we've talked about uh, possibility of reconciliation or when it doesn't happen. There's five words that I use a lot with clients, whether I'm working with them individually and or with couples, of what I see that God is able to do, and we've got history of it and biblical uh, accounts where He does it over and over again and He can in our lives, that He rebuilds, He reclaims, He redeems. He restores and He resurrects, and trusting how He can do that, regardless of our situation, that those are four things that He's committed to working on in Mm. our lives.
2: You know, I I I was going to just wrap up, but one other thought has come to me. What advice would you give to someone who is who who hears from someone being abused? Uh, uh, we didn't really cover that directly, mm-hmm. and I think it's an important point because I suspect many of us may know people who find themselves mm-hmm. in this situation. There, that's kind of saying, okay, should I just be an ear, or is there no? You more need to be an advocate, not, okay. a, not just an ear.
3: Uh, okay, because this person is isolated and needs supports, mm-hmm. and they need they need uh, very much to have somebody be an advocate for them.
2: And so that will mean what uh, going to bat for them, taking. Well, uh, what do you do with the confidentiality that a person may ask you to have about this? Uh, I, I could see mm-hmm. getting boxed in, right. if you will. Confidentiality
3: is always limited with the safety guideline. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever concerned ab- about somebody being a danger to themselves or to others, See, then that's a limit to confidentiality.
2: So then the next step is to go to someone who really is in a position to offer more help mm-hmm. and support and see what you can do to rally that support mm-hmm. around the right. person. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: And I think sometimes, you know, with that listening ear, we may hear something and we're not certain what they were telling us. We have concern or question. Be willing to go back to that person and say, you know, the other day when we were talking, you mentioned this. And I just really wanted to come back and see, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think sometimes we, we will hear something and maybe shy away from it because we are either scared to get involved or we think, oh, I don't want to think that. Um, we semi deny it,
2: or the other end of the spectrum might be: well, I don't want to be—I don't want to be a gossip. I don't want to mm-hmm. share something that really shouldn't be shared. Right. Uh, that's another, mm-hmm. another, mm-hmm. I guess, um, limit or concern to have.
1: Mm-hmm. But to come back to that person and say, "Are you okay? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, how can I help?"
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to thank you all for mm-hmm. coming in and discussing this, uh, and we appreciate your joining us at the table today. A very, very serious topic: spousal abuse—not just domestic violence, but spousal abuse—and we hope this has been helpful to you as you as you think your way through what is uh, something that often we don't talk about, but we've brought it here because we think it's very, very important to talk about. And we'll welcome back. We hope to see you back at the table soon.
0: For listening to the
1: Table Podcast, Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth, love well.
3: This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between
1: Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.